sportinglife.com. Get ahead when it comes to unbiased opinion and sport analysis. Welcome along to the Sporting Live Racing Podcast. David Orr, delighted to be back. I'm joined by Ben Linfoot, Graham Cunningham, Simon Holt and Billy Nash. And Billy, you like me, and thank you at all. We're returning from a sabbatical, a few weeks off. GC, anything to bring us up to date with? Yeah, morning all. It'd be great to have Simon on board. Welcome back, Billy. Hope you had a great holiday. Um, time, thanks. Yep. I'm sure you've been keeping up to speed, but uh, here are the bullet points that you need. Uh, Dettori and Gosden made up. Uh, tough audience, Prince Faisal bumped David Egan from Mishrith. Stoneface Bjorn Nielsen bumped Frankie from Stradivarius. We've had a major whip revamp. We've had a race boycott at Newbury. The Derby winners out of the King George. And the Oaks runner-up is into the King George. Apart from that, nothing's happened. <laughs> well, thank you for joining us this week. We'll be back next week with a, a week. <laughs> it's been a fair bit happening. Simon, let's, let, let's start with you with the Newbury boycott. It was like a... A, a real blast from the past. We went out a few years ago and all of a sudden no entries to from Newbury. Trainers and owners dissatisfied with the prize money levels. What were your thoughts? Well, it just goes on and on, doesn't it? It's just symptomatic of uh, the frustrations among the trainers and the owners and the, the lack of trust between them and the race courses. They think that the race courses can do a lot more. And it all boils down to British Racing's perennial funding problem doesn't it you know there's just not enough prize money and obviously that wasn't enough for what uh, for a race that could attract some good horses but it's just a, a symbol I think it was a, just a small boycott I mean unless they can really get organized and you know boycott a whole meeting I don't think it's ever going to have a lot of impact but overall um, you know there's just it's just one of many problems in this industry at the moment and uh, until we can sort the funding up funding problem um, you know, and great minds have put their best to the to this in the past, and they haven't really come up with anything. We're waiting for levy reform, but reform, but we could wait all for weeks and weeks and months for that, especially with what's going on in government at the moment. And we've got to find somehow another way of financing this sport. And it, it is so frustrating. I was just looking at the um the top rankings in the long jeans classifications the other day, and there were 23 horses in the list. 13 of them are trained yeah. in Britain. Yeah. 13 of the top horses in the world are trained in Britain, Baid being at the top. One horse, just Golden 60 in Hong Kong, is in there, and three sprinters, the three sprinters that ran at Royal Astor for Australia. No, no staying horses at all from Australia, not, not surprising. So you can understand why these other countries are looking to get British bloodstock and there's nothing we can do about it. You can't blame the owners. They take the money. And that's because it all boils down to the lack of funding. I'm very interested to know if there is any scope. I don't know what the other panellists think or know anything about widening this involvement in the world pool, because I know that race, the race courses that have been involved, particularly Ascot, are doing very well out of that. And that might just be a solution. The timing is very good. Graham will know from racing in Hong Kong, they're about seven hours ahead of us. Australia, about 10, 
11 hours, depending on the time of year. So I just wondered about, you know, whether that is being pursued, but we don't know. We don't we don't get a lot of information about what the BHA is pushing forward. It's a very sort of discreet leadership at the moment, isn't it? And so it just leaves a lot of uncertainty, a lot of speculation. And it is just very frustrating. And I can understand the trainer's frustration, but I don't think it's going to do any good boycotting just one race every now and again. Do you see that, that whirlpool angle? It seems to have been a success, the recent British races in the whirlpool. It is. It's one of relatively few significant growth areas and it, it's growing fast and it, I'm sure it will continue to grow, especially if it can be made into a genuine whirlpool. I'm talking about bringing Japan on board. That is the, that is the real you know, cherry on top of what's a, a significant cake. Um, Simon's dead right about that um, gesture, boycott, strike, call it what you will. Uh, I, I support it. I, I, I do. Um, but like any industrial action it has to be sustained if it's to have any significant effect and it's not likely to be sustained over uh, a meeting or, or, or weeks and months but it's it's symbolic and it's important in that regard I've got news for everyone um, there's so much debate about this at the moment and I, I hear people saying what we need is fewer races and more prize money it's mirroring general society racing like never before it's uncanny at the moment nobody knows who's in charge Everybody wants more money. Everyone knows there's no more money uh, to go around. It's not changing. Has anyone on the panel, I'm, 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 I'm there to be shot at, has anyone on the panel got any confidence in the prize money situation changing in any meaningful way in the next three to five years? I can see you shaking your head, Dave. I, just, I can't say how it does. I cannot say where they come from. Yeah, yeah, but for that reason, I think we have to have a degree of acceptance here. Uh, that there is going to be a talent drain. That's absolutely inevitable. Simon touches on a blinding point there, that you look at those Longines ratings. It's, 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 you know, it's 30 of the top 20-odd. It's a third of the top 50. We are still a very, very significant player. Look at the Gay Waterhouse quotes about everybody in Australia. They're desperate to see Goodwood, Royal Ascot, etc. We run ourselves down. We've... You know, we've played ourselves into a very sticky corner on the prize money front, and it's not changing unless anyone has a massively radical idea. But we still have fantastic sport. We do tend to take it for granted. And I'm, I am going out of my way to try and challenge the, the dead in a decade mob at the moment because it, it suits their agenda in terms of uh, approval from a certain section of the of the. Um, racing media clientele uh, for clicks, etc. This sport is not going anywhere. It's going to stay pretty much as it is, which is not ideal, uh, but it's still a pretty high-class brand overall. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm keen to try and accentuate the positive wherever possible, but I do understand why trainers and owners are making a stand in terms of boycotting races and in terms of having to sell very promising horses. It's not going to change, sadly. Uh, I, I don't think it is. I'm quite certain it'd be a topic that will return to God willing in the months and years ahead. Now, Billy, while you were jetting back in from your private Caribbean island, from, from your short break, we had an Irish Oaks. We had a, the latest Irish classic, Magical Lagoon one for Jessica Harrington. Emily Upjohn didn't make the trip. What, what are your reflections now looking back on that Irish Oaks? 
well, first off, while everybody else was basking in a heat wave, I was getting wet in the west of Ireland. So they'll debunk that theory anyway. Um, the Irish Oaks in general, Dave, no surprise. It was probably a subpar renewal. Uh, likeable and all as the winner is. She's a very gutsy, very, very determined filly. Um, you know, she was the one to beat in the race and she she got the job done under Shane Foley, Magical Lagoon. She's, like I said, she's a very, she was a worthy winner on the day. She'll need to step up again if she's to take on the likes of Tuesday and Emily Upjohn later in the year. I don't know. I think the Yorkshire Oaks is the plan for her at the moment. Um, but certainly if had Emily Upjohn come, you would have thought it, it, the race was hers. You know, it was it was hers for the taking. Um, a missed opportunity for her. But sure, you, you'd never know. She might just gain compensation at the weekend. It means Aidan O'Brien, as well as Toy Ratton, and it was a big step forward for her, not from four for the Irish Classics, so far from Aidan. And just when we're ready for a Ballydoll crisis, because we haven't had one for about 25 years, but then two two-year-olds going at the weekend, that look Little Big Bear and Blackbeard winning well, winning pattern races. Is it the strength in the two-year-olds that you think this is just a temporary blip at Ballydoll? It looks very much like that. Um, he does seem to have a really strong bunch of two-year-olds this year. We spoke about it pre-Royal Ascot. Had a couple of winners at Ascot. But even since then, um, the, the two you touched on there, Blackbeard, who got beaten in Ireland subsequently after I'd ask it, just got touched off. But he was very impressive in the, in the morning at the weekend, um, or in the, the Robert Papan, I should say. He's apparently going for the morning on the back of that. He'll probably be the one to beat in that. And Little Big Bear, who won what is turning out to be quite a good Windsor Castle. That form is working out really well. Uh, he was very impressive at the weekend. Again, we're, we're not really sure how strong a race it was. The horse to finish second to Yosemite Valley is still a maiden, but Little Big Bear couldn't have been any more impressive and he'll go to the Phoenix Stakes as the one to beat. He's He looks a group one winner in waiting that horse. But outside of that, Dave, I was looking at the time farm top rating, uh, uh, the top two ratings at the moment. Aiden has four of the top 10. He has the two we mentioned. He has two fillies in Meditate and Statuette and there are plenty others just bubbling under the likes of August Rodin and Hans Anderson, another very impressive winner at the weekend. Uh, he runs a nice filly as well. Uh, uh, her name just escapes me. I'll never say die. I think is possibly... Uh, that's the, um, her name just escapes him, but she's very nice as well. So there's a lot of talent coming through in Ballydoyle. And, um, you know, just like the problems in racing, Aidan O'Brien isn't going away anytime soon either. Now there's Ben Linfoot, despite a week in a tent in Scotland. Ben, you were there for the Open. Why would that rank as the Open as a sort of best sporting event that you attend? Oh, Dave, yeah, it was it was fantastic. I loved it. I've been, I've been to the Open before at Muirfield. And uh, I thought St Andrews was 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 magnificent. Obviously, with it being the home of golf and all the history and uh, the viewing, uh, I, I I really enjoyed it. And um, it was raining when I got there Friday morning. I forgot the fact of fifty. You can probably see the sunglasses mark on the on the side of my face. But yeah, I was glad for GC's bullet points at the top of the podcast because I did miss a few things last week. You didn't miss the press release about Clovis Goodwood that came through on, on Tuesday. Uh, William Haggis talking about the Bayeed Caribus class. To make it very clear, Ben, he didn't say he didn't fear Caribus. Right, well, I want to see what the rest of the panel think here, because I'm sure they've all read William Haggis's quotes on on Caribus um, and uh, the line that he has through Maljum, et cetera, who, who uh, ran behind him at, at Royal Ascot. And I think the, the headline, Haggis doesn't fear Caribus, is, is absolutely fair. On the back of those quotes, William, is everyone backing me up? It's it's been changed. Just to be clear, it has been changed to Haggis on Bayud V. Did you receive a complaint? We, we did. did receive a complaint, GC, about the headline, <laughs> not the content, not the copy, just the headline that he didn't actually say he didn't fear Caribus was the the complaint. So we willingly changed. Him. I bet he respects him, doesn't he? 
<laughs> Absolutely. But it, it, I mean, in terms of Goodwood, that clash, that Bayed v Caribbean clash, it's, the, the, the eclipse whetted the appetite for what's to come in terms of the clash of the generations. And this Sussex Act, at least it's something new again, in against Bayed, fresh blood. Definitely. Yes, and I think Caribus, it, it's just a possibility for me that Caribus wasn't quite as good at Ascot as he was in the Guineas. Uh, it was a bit of a messy finish, wasn't it? He did very well to win. He's got a great attitude. Uh, yeah, but um, William Haggis would never say that anything like that about a, a rival, I don't think. And so it was a, you deserved a ticking off for that. Oh, you think it was a bad <laughs> headline? <laughs> no, but, this um, is the way of the world, Simon. It's it's all clickbait these days. <laughs> yeah, well, we've all suffered from headlines that don't match the story. Um, <laughs> It happened to me recently, actually, in the Racing Post. Um, oh, it's about the fireworks at Epsom. And I was fairly mild about it. You know, I didn't feel it was too... But the headline, commentators slam fireworks yeah. <laughs> at Epsom. They slammed them. I knew you'd have a strong opinion on that. It was terrible. <laughs> and also, like, I'd quite like to do the derby a few more times, you know? <laughs> so, uh, yeah. But, what uh, William Haggis can do, Simon, is he can wait for Baid to do what Frankel did to Canford Cliffs. In the Sussex Stakes, that's there. Uh, I never respected him, and I certainly hear <laughs> it. You can say that afterwards. And we've had some fantastic clashes in the Sussex Stakes. I mean, one of my favourite ones was um, when Kingman beat Toronado. It was only a four-runner race, mm. and um, it was just a, a a battle of wits. And Richard Hughes kicked on on Toronado as late as he dared, tried to steal a march on Kingman, and Kingman was just momentarily unsettled, but then showed that blistering turn of foot at the finish and there's been many down the years I think this could be a, a fascinating clash it's probably going to be uh, I think Caribas could be the toughest rival that Bayid has probably faced but on the other hand looking at those ratings again Bayid is a sensational horse according to the to, according to the rankers so um, you'd expect him to win. Do you see the other big line about Goodwood in advance, and we will do a preview next week, of course, of the great meeting, is Frankie, mutual agreement that he doesn't <laughs> mind. I, I don't know, GC. I think Frankie might be quite pleased to get off him. <laughs> it, 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 it's, it gets better and better, this saga, <laughs> and it is turning into a saga. Now, and I can't, speak to, I can't speak for Simon, and I would never dream of putting words in his mouth, but this, it, this would be like a bit like... Um, when uh, I finished with Channel 4 and didn't make the move to ITV, uh, it's like saying, I, I, you know, by mutual consent, uh, I didn't go to ITV. Are you with me on that, Simon? Oh, yes, I was very happy about the situation. <laughs> <laughs> so by, by mutual, uh, you know, by mutual consent, we, we lost one of the best jobs in the game. You know, um, travelling in, um, how shall we say, um, Premium economy rather than first class. Yeah, I've, I've just recovered. <laughs> <laughs> but of course, uh, Frankie, uh, a bit like me and Simon with ITV, we, we remain Strad's greatest fans, you know? <laughs> You've got to be fans. But Frankie, I'm sure we'll be cheering him on from the sidelines unless he's riding against him, of course, which would be another interesting angle for that race. Billy, if we talk about Stradivarius, though, he spent two years running basically to 120 on time form. That's been his peak over the last two years. 127 was his career bit. If you're running to 120, everything needs to fall your way to win a race like the Goodwood Cup or the Ascot Cup Cup. There's no room for Eric. That's the sort of rating that you're capable of running to at the minute. Yeah, well, we've seen that in his, his last couple of runs. I mean, things didn't quite go right from at Ascot last year. They didn't quite go right from this year. He still ran very well, but it just wasn't good enough. And like you say, he, you know, unlike a Bayid, he doesn't have massive amounts in hand of the other stairs. 
Um, you know, Bayid can get away with with maybe things not going right in the race because he's good enough to overcome that. Stradivarius doesn't have that gap against other horses, so he does need things to go his way. And unfortunately, Frankie has been the fall guy for a couple of those. Whether they were his fault or not, we're not sure. But um, maybe Andrea Atzini can can galvanise him again next week, and he'll be back to his best. I know what you're saying, Dave, when you, you say that he might be quite relieved not to be on him, because I, I do think that a five-year-old Stradivarius might well have picked them up at Ascot um, in, in the Gold Cup. I, I think he's probably just lost lost a little bit of that uh, turn of foot that used to win him these staying races. And if he's in a pocket at Goodwood under Andrea Razzini, we know, we know what the heartbreak story is likely to be, don't we? I think the biggest certainty of, of the week is that um, Anzini will be coming a long way home at Goodwood. Yes. He, he won't. He won't risk riding the rail and 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 falling into you know a, a similar trap that that Frankie has fallen into. So he's going to have to come round Kiprios uh, and Trushan and Mojo Star. And and uh, the, the main story is it's going to be a belter of a race if we can get all four on deck on the same day. Yeah, it should be fantastic. As I said, we'll look ahead to to Goodwood next week. Simon, it's the King George, which is such a wonderful. Race. You just watched. You could just spend hours watching the YouTube videos of the great renewals. You, you've been, you've you've called some. For, you've called plenty of renewals of the King George. What what was your favourite one to call and why? Oh gosh, the favourite one to call probably um, because it brought back memories. I think of the Grundy Bastino clash. The battle between Enable and Crystal Ocean was just sensational. You know, it was a, it was a fantastic finish, and. You know, I was at a fairly impressionable age when the Grundy race, Grundy-Bastino uh, battle took place. I was just getting into racing and I thought that was just a, amazing. And then it just brought back memories of that, you know, and uh, it's certainly one of the most exciting finishes I've probably called down the years, you know. So I think that one stands out a little bit. Um, uh, going further back, I think I've done about 20 or something like that and go back to... Um, Probably uh, Duke of Marmalade, funnily enough, not the greatest winner, but he's also really liked, you know, and Nathaniel, you know, and he's obviously becoming a, an exceptional sire. It's interesting, actually, just looking through, I mean, it's a fantastic role of honour, but quite a few of um, the winners, it's been like their peak performance and they've not really gone on afterwards. You know, you look at horses like Shergar and Nashwan and there's, there's quite a few. And uh, But I, I do think... Um, you know, overall, the, the quality has been fairly sustained. It's come in waves a little bit. And I think when the Breeders' Cup was introduced, that sort of detracted a little bit from the King George. It, it, it made trainers look further afield. But um, no complaints about the lineup on Saturday. I think it's top draw, apart from Desert Crown. I can't think of too many others that aren't there. And, um, it, and to me, it's irre irrelevant that it's a small field, really, as long as you've got the quality. And GC, it's, it's a race that over the years it's never been short of quality. No, it is a brilliant race. And it's a shame that um, it's only going to be a, a sextet, I think. Um, but it's slightly bigger field than it has been for the last uh, two or three years. Uh, but it, it, it's been a, a great race. I know you did a nice piece that people can still access about um, your um, top, is it top seven, King George? Top seven, yeah. Uh, and, and I know Galileo was at the top, so I, I don't want to steal too much of your thunder. But that, that was a favourite of mine in, in many ways. Not least, I revisited it yesterday, Dave, and it was about um, the uh, Canaan angle. Michael Canaan uh, got a, a careless riding ban in Ireland. Um, he tried to appeal it, and I don't think he got much joy, but he, you know, he wasn't leaving it at that. He, he went to the High Court and, and got an injunction when, when everything you know, came out that um, at the appeal where you know, he was hoping that a couple of um, 
key points would be made to, to get him off and enable him to ride. Uh, two witnesses didn't turn up uh, to the appeal. Uh, <laughs> two jockeys who could have given evidence against him, but they, they, they got lost along the way, perhaps. Anyway, he eventually went to the High Court, got the injunction, which made him available for the ride on Galileo. And when he was asked how he felt about the act outcome, he said, get this, relatively satisfied. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, what I love about that, Billy, I mean, I'm sure I'm, I'm sure Galileo features high on the honest. Is that the, the bits of half a falling out when you realize he's broken fantastic light and he goes for he goes clear again? It's, it, that's one of the moment that really struck me. Where's your King George hierarchy, Billy? Really? Uh, I don't know if it's hierarchy or not, but there's a lot of King Georges that stand out. I was lucky enough to be there in 2000 uh, to witness Monjou in his King George. Oh. Um, and I was on lead up duty that day. I lit up a horse called Ray Poor for uh, he was obviously trained by John Ox, but because Michael Stout ran Daliapur in the race and they were looking for a pacemaker and the Aga Khan didn't have anything suitable in the yard, so they got Ray Poor from John's. He was Sindar's lead horse, so he did his job that day, but as it turned out, he did it for Manju, who absolutely cruised past him. The only the only real issue that Manju had for the whole day was he wouldn't go into the parade ring. Um, they had to get one of the lads to, to ride him into the parade ring um, to, to get him to walk around. He just showing his quirky side, but yeah, he was brilliant. And I suppose from my John connection, the um, another sort of an unsung, maybe not the greatest King George winner, but certainly got a great kick out of Alam Shar the year he won it. Um, you know, he was he was a really good horse in his own right. He beat a he beat a very good field. He beat Suleimani, Chris Kin, who had beaten him in the Derby. He beat Ball and Eric Falbrav. He'd beaten Dalakani in a cracking Irish Derby prior to that. And as Simon was saying, it probably was Alam Shar's pinnacle. He, he didn't reproduce that form afterwards because Dalakani was in the same ownership. I think the arc was, was really the race that we wanted to run Alam Shar in, but the Khan wanted to keep them apart. So Dalakani went to the arc, which of course he won, and Alam Shar dropped back to 10 furlongs. But they'd had a lot of rain at Ascot prior to that. The race was running good to soft ground, and I think that was that really made the difference to Alam Shar because he was a horse that was... It was hard to keep right. He had a lot of issues with his back, and that was one of the few times he got to run on, on ground softer than good. It made a huge difference to him, and, and he was really good that day. But like many others, like Carbinger and many others, it was probably his best ever King George perform or his best ever performance, and it came in the King George. Fantastic memories. And last but not least, Ben, what's the King George that stands out to you? Uh, I love the race, Dave. And it's the, I don't know, I think it's the wide margin winners that, that stick out for me. There's, there seems to be so many, don't, doesn't there, in this race? When you think Enable's first King George, he won by over five lengths. And uh, then there was um, obviously Monsha absolutely tanking through the race and winning easily. And, uh, and the daddy of them all, Harbinger, won by 11 lengths in, in 2010 with a, with a magnificent performance. So several, several down the years. Let's talk about this year's race then, GC. And news on Saturday, bro, that Colin Keane was going to keep the ride on Westover. One or two eyebrows raised at the decision, given the fact he's never actually ridden a winner at Ascot. What was your reaction? Able deputy is the phrase uh, that will get <laughs> Billy having steam coming out of his. I, I, I get it completely. Rob Holby's shown already he's answered uh, any doubts about his ability with a couple of Group 1 wins. But Keane rides a lot of Judmont horses in Ireland. Keane is a is a world. Rob Hornby is a very good jockey, and I think Colin Keane is a genuinely world-class one. I don't think it'll bother anyone that he hasn't ridden a winner at Ascot. The, the moment the right opportunity comes, uh, he'll be there. So uh, I get that, and it's great to see West over there. Um, is he going to make the running, do you think? Because he looked mighty, mighty strong in front uh, at the Curragh when he bolted up in the Irish derby. 
It's a good question. I mean, Billy, what do you think on that? What do you think of the strength of that Irish derby form? He's, he's quite short at the minute, at the head of the market for this King George. Yeah, well, you'd have to say, Dave, it wasn't a strong Irish derby. We touched on it at the time, and Pitts Badil did absolutely nothing for the form in, in Paris last week. But at the same time, Westover won it by something like seven lengths. He was head and shoulders above the opposition, and he won like a horse that we still haven't seen the best of. He was running around a bit in front when Colin Keane went, went for him first. I think he's still learning on the job, and I think Graham touched on a good point there. I think he might well make the running. I think Colin knows him a bit better now. Uh, he rode him very positively at the chorus, sat second behind French claim. And unless Ryan Moore goes on and broom, I don't see what else is going to make it. So I think having ridden him at the Cora, I think Colin will be will have a bit more confidence in him. And if he's going if he wants to go forward, he will. We know he stays really well. And I think if he does make the running, I think he'll be very hard to peg back. Ben, he was sec- you were second in the Kazoo Derby uh, at Epsom, one or two traffic problems there. Just how good do you think Wester? What's your gut feeling about how good this colt could be? I think he could. I think he's clearly a very good horse, Dave. I think he's. He's. I think he's very short in the market this this Saturday. I think. I don't think he had to improve at all, really, from his his Epsom run to win the the Irish Derby at the Curra. So I think we're talking about um, a good Derby third heading into a King George rather than an impressive Derby winner. And I think he probably is priced up like an impressive Derby winner, uh, albeit he was in Ireland in a in in a substandard renewal. So I think he could be good. I think he's still. To get to uh, you know his best, I think the potential's there, um, but I think all that's factored into his odds this weekend for me. Simon, do you like the th- the three year old in against the old horses at Ascot? Do you think do you think that's factored in the, the, the historic record? If you look at the um, results, I mean, I think more older horses have won historically, but by representation, the three-year-olds tend to do very well. I mean, there haven't been many three-year-olds each year that have run in the race. They're always outnumbered by the the older horses. Um, And, of course, they get the the weight for age in in Enable's case. And uh, Billy mentioned when Enable won uh, her first King George. I mean, I remember that day well because she absolutely bolted up. And um, coming out of Ascot that day, I bumped into Kevin Buckley, the uh, representative in Britain for Coolmore, and they ran Highland, Highland Real in Idaho. And we just said, you had absolutely no chance, no chance giving all that weight to such an above average three-year-old filly who's getting so much. And um, it, I suppose it creates a lot of interest with the weight phrase, but I'll get, to be honest, and I've, I've bored for England about this in the past, Racing is the only sport where it runs championship races on only notional level terms. So we're accepting this average uh, immaturity of the three-year-olds compared to the maturity of the four-year-olds. And it won't change because we'd have to shift the whole thing forward. You know, the King George would have to be for four-year-olds and upwards. But I always feel that it leaves an element of doubt. And particularly when a three-year-old, a good three-year-old, retires, apparently with nothing more to prove, when it could come back and give the weight for age the next year. And in, in all, to her credit, Enable did that. I mean, she won the arc. She came back to win another off as a four-year-old. So, uh, but it's always interesting. Personally, I think that there's there are question marks over both the Derby and the Oaks form. Big question marks for me. And there are some very good older horses in this. I was amazed that Mishra was five to one earlier in the week, yeah. given his record. There's a little bit of a question mark about his stamina. Um, I, he has won the Dubai Shima Classic over a mile and a half, and I had a look at the average. Uh, the standard times at Maidan and Ascot, and they're almost identical for a mile and a half. Last year, he was probably just outstayed, but he was beaten by a derby winner last year, and he's not running against the derby winner this time. 
And the other one I just thought was ridiculous, Torquato Tasso, arc winner, everybody disregarded him because he was a shot winner, but he beat two brilliant horses, Tanawa and a very much informed Hurricane Lane and a day last year. Worried about the ground, but rain is forecast today at Ascot and on Friday, and he's 14 to 1. I think that's too big. I think if the rain does arrive, it'll be a single-figure price very quickly. That that get on now. Trust me. Yeah, get on now. Is it a John Ketley bespoke weather forecast, or he's just relying on the Met Office there, Simon? It's that's my the key. weather app. Oh, that will do. <laughs> I don't know who is a Google weather app. <laughs> that will do. JC, <laughs> I want to talk Emily up, John, to you. Simon's got doubts about the Oaks form. How unlucky do you think she was at Epsom, and what do you think her ceiling is? Yeah, I think she should have won the Oaks, not, not by open lengths, but I think had she... Um, not charted such a wide path into the straight. Uh, it puzzled me, it frustrated me at the time that so many jockeys were doing that. And I just think she she travelled um, a longer distance than uh, yesterday and, and paid the penalty for it. So she's she's really good and she's got good really quickly. She's only had, I think, is it four runs? She's still only had four runs, I think. So she's she looks a high-class prospect, but I think the emphasis is on the word prospect there because this is... I think it's substantially deeper uh, than the Oaks. I know that Nashua won the French Oaks, and I know that yesterday didn't really shine uh, in the Irish Derby, but I think she needs a career best, but Gosden's done tremendously well in this race. Adair is the one who is missing besides Desert Crown, because this was meant to be one of his key targets. He isn't here, and there's there's a fair bit of Adair about Westover, in that A, he's by Frankel, B, he's got that real hard-running style. C, he ran in the um, Sandown Classic trial. Of course, he didn't win the derby, but he bolted up in the Irish derby. But like Simon, I'm, I'm quite tempted uh, by the older horses here. In a six-runner King George, I think it's always unlikely that bookmakers are going to make significant errors. But if they have made errors here, it's it's potentially with the price of Mishriff and Torquata Tasso. Mishriff is just hell of a good horse, as we know. He's 125 rating tells you that he'll be top on BHA he'll be top on time form and it is a tiny doubt I think the stamina but it's not a major one he came clear of love and company when he was second giving the weight to Adair uh, in last year's King George and he looked every bit as good as ever when he should have won the Coral Eclipse last time Torquata Tasso absolutely right from a price point of view lots of value hounds will just say yeah we'll back that and if it gets beat it gets beat because we know the price is potentially wrong. He bounced right back to form at Hamburg last time. It's true that all his form has been on easy ground, but Dane Dream won the King George. She was proven on good ground for Germany when she came to the King George. The better comparison is probably Novelist, isn't it? Uh, if you remember Novelist, he came to Ascot for the King George and he had been running on soft, soft, good to soft, bit of good, and he got fast ground in the King George and he smashed the track record, I think, and he smashed the opposition by five lengths. So it's sometimes a bit of a, a bit of a false um, theory that, that the German, good German horses won't act on top of the ground. So from a price point of view, um, if you're looking for a, a horse who's clearly uh, got some margin in there for value, then I think Mishriff and certainly the German horse fill the bill. Ben, let's talk about Mishriff. He, he bounced, he came from the eclipse last year to chase on Adayar, and he had some on the back of a much a much better run at Sandown this time around. How much encouragement would you give that for his chance on Saturday? Oh, loads of encouragement. He, he, he was better at Sandown in this year's Eclipse than last year, much more forward, I think. And he, he was probably an unlucky loser that day, obviously, 
um, found trouble in running and, uh, and and only beaten a neck at the line. So um, he looks in a good place for this test. I, I do feel with Mishriff and the rest of the panel have already alluded to it. I think his absolute optimum is a really strongly run and stiff 10 furlongs. Um, and I think a mile and a half, particularly a track like Ascot, might just stretch him a little bit, a little bit too far. And that would that would be the one negative that, that is on my mind with him. Um, were we going to talk about David Egan as well, Dave? Because they had some great days together, didn't they? And that's it. I mean, it's James Doyle. It's it's a new jockey. Will that influence you in any way, shape, or form? No, I mean, David Egan did nothing wrong. I think they won three top-level races together. I mean, if it was a decision on the back of the Eclipse run, it seems very knee-jerk to me. So, you know, can count himself unlucky to lose the ride. And, of course, the irony is that James Doyle, who takes over, was on Lord North that day, who found plenty of trouble in running himself on the rail at, at Sandown. But, obviously, we know James Doyle is a, is, a, is a top jockey and it wouldn't influence me either way with Mishriff. The only thing with him is, is I think, the trip. GC, it's fair to say the owners have definitely been flexing their muscles oh, in the build-up to these big races. Great, the owners are revolting um, <laughs> uh, in terms of prize money and in terms of jockeys. So you've got Hornby bumped, you've got Egan bumped, and you've got Frankie bumped, and they're all fascinating stories. All you need in media is heroes and villains. That's all you need to sell the sport. <laughs> uh, and, and the owners are playing the old panto villains here. and um, it, It's there, right? They pay the bills. There's a huge amount at stake, and... Mishriff should have won the Coral Eclipse, in my view at least. And it was very optimistic of David Egan um, to think he could burrow up the inside of both Buick and Sumion. Uh, he had to come all the way around and finish very strongly. But the Dettori angle is the one because he's 51, Frankie. It's barely ever happened to him, Simon. Can you remember when Frankie was slapped in the face metaphorically like this in, in his entire career. I know we had the sabbatical the other week, but that was a general thing rather than an owner stroke trainer saying, by mutual consent, <laughs> I am jocking you off this horse. <laughs> Has it ever, can you ever remember Frankie being given the flick from a, from a big race ride? Imagine how he's feeling. Imagine if he said what he really thinks at the moment. The words mutual and consent wouldn't be in that sentence. Either. Well, maybe it'll come out in the next uh, volume of his autobiography oh, one day, you know. But I mean, a lot of people have criticised John Gosden about perhaps being a little bit public over this, this spat. Uh, and uh, funnily enough, I, I noticed something on Oaks Day just before um, Frankie was due to get legged up on Emily Up, John. There was definitely negative body language between them. They were having some sort of an argument there. And it ended with John Gosden walking away towards Emily Up, John. And, and Frankie, to begin with, didn't follow and had a face like thunder. There was something going on. So I think there's been something simmering for a long time. But I think John's probably done the right thing. He's just given him a good old kick up the backside, you know, yeah. I and mean, some of the remarks, you know, a little less part-time, please. <laughs> you know, that would be good. And, you know, the, the Our Hero remarks, you know, it's just, um, I can imagine, you know, and in the yard, you know, if, if, if Our Hero turns up only every now and again and they're all slaving away and... Um, and maybe, you know, there's a bit of resentment and maybe he just needs to become a bit more of a team player. As regards to his riding ability, I mean, let's not forget, I thought he rode a marvellous race to win the Dubai World Cup earlier in the in the season. Uh, he's just had a, he had a bad run. A lot of jockeys do. Some jockeys never recover from it. But, um, you know, I don't really think he's deteriorated that much. He's, he didn't ride Stradivarius very well. 
uh, at uh, Ascot and obviously he went against orders, got himself boxed in again for the second year running. It's amazing, isn't it? In a two and a half mile race with not too many runners, if you're drawn on the inside, you can still get boxed in. I mean, last year, uh, Jerry Sheridan had him had him cooked up all the way round on Princess Zoe. And there was a moment passing the stands where Frankie was having words with Jerry Sheridan you know, get out of my way, but he didn't. I mean, he had, he had him pegged. Pen, pen, you know who I am. Eh? <laughs> you know who I am. I'm trying to be mouth reading while I was calling the race. But um, <laughs> so it was, for Frankie you know, and Emily Upjohn to shorthead Mishriff this weekend, then, isn't it? Yeah, Troubling running for Mishriff, and Frankie gets the saloon passage and wins by a shorthead. I mean, he's seeking redemption here, really, isn't he? I and mean, this is a massive race. And if she gets beat, and she's beat fairly, fair enough. But if he makes a mistake, you know, if he gets boxed in, yeah. if she misses the break again, stumbles from the start, mm. you know, we'll, we'll have something else to talk about next week. On the Mishriff topic, I was, I think I'm right in saying this. I went back through through the list of previous winners for trying to find the last horse beaten in the King George to come back and win it. And I think it was Dale Army in 99. I think he was beaten in the race as a four-year-old and came back to win it at five. So you have to go back a fair way, but it has been done before. I thought one of the, the best quotes of all about the mystery was when they said that David Egan had never signed his 2022 contract. That was in, <laughs> that was in one of the statements. He hadn't found his pen in time to, to keep the vibe. But yeah, it's in another fascinating... Really, just while we talk about jockeys, one thing that struck me with the, the Colin Keane is just testament to how well Ryan Moore's been riding. We spent two years getting prices from bookmakers about Keane two to five for Ballad Oil. We spent two years with him being linked with that Ballad Oil job. And that is one thing that's gone very quietly. Yeah, um, Ryan Moore has been riding out of his skin. We've talked about him on the podcast a couple of times this year already. Um, he seems to be spending more time in Ireland this year than, than he's ever done in, in past seasons. There was even talk of him possibly going for the Irish Jockeys Championship for a while. That seems to have dissipated a small, but now that, that Billy Lee and Colin Keane are clocking up the winners. But he's riding out of his skin. He's he's made very few mistakes this year. Um, and, you know, he's 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 still one of the, one of the go-to guys. I mean... He maybe hasn't had the, the big race success this year that he would have liked. As you said already, Aidan is, is not from foreign Irish classics. Um, they don't have a, a really standout three-year-old, but they've got very good horses coming through. They've got very good two-year-olds. He's still in, in one of the, the best jobs in the in the business and will still pick up the odd stout ride as well. So he's um yeah, he's I'm sure he's very happy with the situation he's in at the moment. If he can win the King George on Broom, he's really riding out of his skin. <laughs> well, he certainly is. Yeah, I was looking through Broom's record. Broom is running. He's running eleven Group Ones, and he's only won one of them. So and it was a um, bad one at San Clue, wasn't it? Yeah, exactly. So likable horse that he is, it'll take all of Ryan Moore's skill to get him home. But he is the only other pace angle in this race, isn't he? He made all in the Hardwick. He's mm. the other one that could go forward. Oh, driver yeah. has made the running. Oh, oh pile driver's made the running. Yeah, Several I mean. Times. Where, where do you, we, let's talk pile driver. Right, let's talk Broom, Billy, before we move on to pile driver. Could you make any case whatsoever for him to win the King George on Saturday? In a word, no. Um, unless unless Ryan gets very much his own way in front, like he did in the Hardwick, unless he gets to dictate it. And I'd be astonished if that happened, particularly with Colin Keane on such a strong stare on Westover. The last thing he wants the race to turn into is a test of speed. That'll suit Mishriff a lot more than his horse. So... Um, yeah, I think I think Ryan will probably set out to make the running. I think in an ideal world, that's what he'd like to do. But expect Colin Keane to be right on his boots the whole way. And if he's not going quick enough, Keane will will make it a test. He'll have to. And uh, I just don't think I look. I'd be stunned if Broom was good enough at this stage of his career to win a Group One uh, yeah, of if, this ilk. 
Yeah, even the hard week's been let down, Billy, hasn't it? Mostadaf and Hurricane Lane, second and third. Good horses going into the hard week, but what they've shown since or haven't shown since doesn't exactly polish that hard week run. Yeah, and I thought that Ryan, I thought, was riding particularly well at Ascot, but I thought that was his best ride of the week. I thought he stole it. I thought it was a, a, a superb piece of race riding. So you touched upon pile driver there. Where does a peak pile driver finish on Saturday? Probably not good enough, but that's why I think um, they might ride him. I think this could be a very strongly run race. I mean, the best King George is where there's a blistering gallop, wasn't it? You know, going back to the Grundy race where there were two pacemakers and there's been other you know, the Dancing Brave race as well. There were two horses that went miles clear. And that's what you want to see. And I think, you know, you've got five absolutely certain stayers here. The two three-year-olds, both in the betting, at the top of the betting for the St. Ledger. And the only slightly doubtful stayer is Mishrif. And he's arguably the best horse in the race, in my opinion. You know, particularly if there are doubts about the classic form. So I think that the pace was is bound to be strong bound to be strong and there are three possible front runners we've discussed westover just discussed broom who's sure to go forward i would have thought what else would he do and pile driver could also be forward as well and i think i don't really see him coming from off the pace and being good enough and quick enough in the, in at various stages in the race to win it mm, i don't fancy him but i, I quite like the uh, the jockey booking it, mm, it's, lovely, yeah. it's nice to see pj mcdonald with his whip in the backhand position i hope <laughs> Uh, in, in, in the big uh, uh, Group One ride, uh, that's, that's a feather in his cap. But um, uh, I agree that pile driver. Uh, if you look back at his last few big Group One runs, uh, second to Hookham, well beaten in the Coronation Cup, pretty good run at Maidan, fourth behind Sharia, um, the second in Hong Kong behind Glory Vars. It's decent Group One form, but it, it's not King George Group One form, I don't think. All that evidence of fascinating race. I mean, three weeks ago, we had two of the Derby winners heading there. We had Adair and Desert Crown. And I mean, that would have been a, a King George of the ages to have had that yeah, How much of that feature did you have written, Dave, before? It, it, it was dodging. <laughs> it was complete. I mean, genuinely, it would have won AWPA. Joe, I'd have won right no, to the no, end. I guarantee you it wouldn't. <laughs> yeah, very true. I could have bribed Cornelius if he's still on the jury. I don't, I don't know who's on the, who's on the panel. I tell you what I did laugh about, Jesus. That Desert Crown would not laugh. Obviously, his absence is a a setback but it, it was an old school absence wasn't it, it the, the betting markets foretold yeah. something was going and then statement yeah. to the press association you don't see that very often nowadays yeah yeah the, the, the drift it was about this time last week was it remember I I messaged you didn't I see might be best to just put a hold on that uh, derby winners meeting in the King George feature have a quick look at Betfair Dave and uh, <laughs> a few hours later puff of white smoke from uh, is it Freemason Lodge and um uh, the pontiff, Sir Stout, declared, you, you better hold all bets, lads. And the racing manager seemed to be playing catch-up as well, Bruce Raymond. Didn't yeah. know I'll tell you what it is, it's a, it's an odd one. It makes it easier for all the others, obviously, because Desert Crown looked mighty good in the derby. But from a Westover point of view, there was a hell of a lot of value in him taking his revenge on Desert Crown from a stallion point of view. Now, of course, he's going to be a, a highly sought-after stallion prospect anyway, because of what he did at the Curra. But to take your revenge on the Derby winner after you were somewhat unlucky in the original bout would have would have added tremendous luster to his reputation. But he's not there now. Uh, I agree with um, Billy. I think I think Westover and perhaps Pile Driver are likely to make this a solid test, and and that would suit both of the potential value options. I think uh, Mishriff and and this this German horse Torquata Tasso, the Art winner. 
And Simon, before we go around for the tips, just a line for you on Desert Crowd. It's obviously not been playing sailing, and fingers crossed it is from here with him, but how excited are you by him? What did you make of him at Epsom? I thought he was um, so far ahead of the others, really. And OK, West overlooked an unlucky... Unlucky not to finish second, but um, if if they re if it had been a rematch in the King George, I'd have been the Desert Crown all the way, absolutely no question. When he left them absolutely standing at the two furlong marks, it was just uh, sheer quality. But um, you know they'll be looking to drop him back. I would have thought anyway. You know, I mean, you know, if you're going to establish a stallion reputation and be very commercial you know these horses are much better if they can win over a mile and a quarter so if he's okay you know we might see him at york i hope so anyway um whereas westover you know you know he just looks like a real mile and a half plus horse doesn't he and um you know just looking down some of the list of the king george winners you know there's not too many of them that have really been outstanding stallions quite a few have fallen by the wayside because you know a mile and a half now is just not very commercial and uh, you know there was talk just the other day wasn't there about reducing the distance of the the Irish derby and I'd be dead against that but I do think that um, derby winners King George winners if they can show the speed to win over a mile and a quarter it just makes them a bit easier to sell and get good mares when they finally retire. Just have to hope he's not a bit delicate Desert Crown now don't you? It took them till the 3rd of November to get him on the track as a two-year-old um, it was a last-minute decision to go for the Dante. He was very easy to back that day, you remember. Then he was great at Epsom, and now we're going to miss him in the King George. So, yeah, it would be ter terrific. Well, listen, what about Baid versus Desert Crown at York? Oh. That would be that would be a crackerjack race. That would be fantastic, wouldn't it? Great shape, yeah. And, Ben, that's what we need now, isn't it? We, 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 there's so many things bubbling away, but we need Adair back on song coming into these big middle-distance races. We need these big clashes moving forward. What big class would you most like, like, like to see, Scoop, for the rest of this season? Oh, that's a good question, Dave. I'd, I'd like to see uh, the Eclipse winner, Fadini, take on uh, Bayed over, over 10 furlongs. I think that would be a, an awesome clash. You've already talked uh, about Desert Crown against him as well. So there's there's, there's plenty plenty to uh, to potentially look forward to at York and, and beyond into the Irish Champion States, where I think Fadini's been pointed. So I'm sure he's going to take on a, a a real top-class horse. Um, I've, I've, ben, I've, heard that, I've heard that William Haggis fears Vidini uh, and Desert Crown. Don't <laughs> <laughs> so you be staring at GC. And respects just, just to go on record legally, he respects Caribus. <laughs> and <laughs> I, I mean, it would be fantastic to see him back as a four-year-old in races like the King George, but it just doesn't, it's not looking good. I mean, are we going to see him again? Every time we get a, an update from him, he's, he's doing well, but we're, we're we need to see the evidence, don't we? Just need to respect him. <laughs> <laughs> it's not an injury with that AI either, is it? It's just a spark. No exactly, which it it's, it's a bit disconcerting, to say the least. It is, but we've we've shown our spark. We're near the end now. So I'm just going to go around the panel, celebrity squares. I mean, GC, I don't want to blow your trumpet, but you had, you had a 0.5 points each way on the ARC winner <laughs> last year at a, at a big price. Yeah, Where's the one point win or the one point each way going on Saturday? Mishrif and, and, a, and a point 0 0.2 saver on, on Torquata Tasso. Uh, it, it's the known quantity, I think. Uh, there is, it's a, I think it's only a slight doubt on the stamina front. So I'll go with Mishrif. But uh, in case we don't get to go around on any other, are we doing any other business before we finish? Oh, no, have you got, have you got something else for us? That would be fantastic. Yeah, that big seven furlong handicap, fresh. Um, he yeah. was my eye catcher coming out of Royal Ascot and the Wokingham. Um, more than half the field committed. 
professional suicide that day by turning left as the stalls open. I thought Fresh ran enormous in the circumstances. Have a look back at the video. Did so much better than nearly all the other low-drawn horses. So it's a wildly difficult race, and we could have draw shenanigans again, especially if they're going to water hard, which they are irrigation agents. So uh, keep an eye on Fresh, provided he's on the right bit of the track. Billy, where, where's your one-point landing for the, the King George? It's a tough one, Dave. Um, I've I've kind of agonised over this because there's there's two or three really there's very little between two or three of them. But I think I'm going to come down with Westover. I totally agree with what the lad said. I think he's too short in the betting. I'm not sure I'd actually back him. But I really liked what he did at the Curra. I know it wasn't a great race, but I liked the way he was really strong at the line. I still think there's a little bit more to come from him. And the fact that, you know, he's a three-year-old getting all this this nice bit of weight from the from the older horses. I think he's on the up, and I think he's going to be very hard to beat. But it's, I'm looking forward to a fascinating race. Where's the, where's the Linfoot Dart going? I'm surprised there hasn't been a little bit more love for Emily Upjohn. And I think it'll be going on her. I just think circumstances have sort of come together and it's all it's all aligning for her, isn't it? And obviously we, we've seen Tegruder and Enable win as a three-year-old filly for the Gosden team in the in the last uh, few years. And I think she she could well be a third one. I thought she was desperately unlucky at Epsom. I think she's seriously on the up. I'm sure she's got a time form P attached to her rating, Billy. She does, yeah. With uh, so little racing on the ball, she was terrific at York, and um, I think a mile and a half at Ascot, getting all the allowances, is is really going to suit her. And uh, she could be the headline, and a, a jockey could well be the headline as well. But um, I, she she'd be having my one point at nine to four. Matt the Brottle Bank pleased that uh, they've rerouted, isn't he? Well, he was seen with a bird at Stansted, wasn't he? Dave? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, the Brock's very exciting. Sam, I should have checked before we started recording. I don't know if you're calling me, King George, on Saturday. Ask. Not this year. No, I'm going to. I'm going to Ladies' Evening at Lingfield. The second best. <laughs> I'm dreading. No, I shouldn't say that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm going to have a nice It'll be a, a bit busy. You'll, you'll have a you'll have a bit a big crowd working with you. I'm sure. It'll <laughs> be a bigger crowd at Lingfield, I think. <laughs> it's my mutual consent that Simon is well. <laughs> My mutual consent that Simon is still the King George's biggest fan. He respects us. Oh, I'd love to be at Ascot. I would. It's just that I can't expect to do it every year, you know. Um, I, I, when, when I do my tips for Sporting Life, I'm always trying to trying to make a profit every month. And to be honest, putting up horses like Westover and Emily up, John, it's, it's a road, road to nowhere. You know, they're just not big enough prices. So I haven't really decided yet, but it'll be Mishraf or Tilquater Tasso, possibly depending on the weather. Well, there you go. It's a fantastic King George. A very strong Lingfield Saturday night card as well uh, for Ladies' Day at Lingfield. Just so much to look forward to this weekend. Thanks to GC, Simon, Ben and Billy. We'll be back next week, next Monday, new day, new day for the podcast to look ahead to the Qatar Goodwood Festival. Visit sportinglife.com to watch video replays of every UK and Irish race. Get the quickest live results and follow your favourite horses with our My Stable Tracker. All for free.